Chapter Sixteen of the Ivory Child by H. Rider Haggard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. Hans steals the keys. A few hours later, some of the White Kenda arrived at the house and very politely delivered to us Ragnall's and poor Savage's guns and pistols, which they said they had found lying in the grass on the mountainside, and with them the bull's-eye lantern that Ragnall had thrown away in his flight all of which articles I accepted without comment. That evening also Harut called, and, after salutations, asked where Bina was, as he did not see him. Then my indignation broke out. "'O oh, white-bearded father of liars!' I said. "'You know well that he is in the belly of the serpent which lives in the cave of the mountain.' "'What, lord?' exclaimed Harut, addressing Ragnall in his peculiar English. "'Have you been for walk up to Hole in Hill? "'Suppose Bina want see big snake. "'He always very fond of snake, you know, "'and they very fond of him. "'You remember how they come out of his pocket "'in your house in England? "'Well, he know all about snake now.' "'You villain!' exclaimed Ragnall. "'You murderer! "'I have a mind to kill you where you are. "'Why, you choke me, lord, "'because snake choke your man?' poor snake he only want dinner if you go where lion live lion kill you if you go where snake live snake kill you i tell you not to you take no notice now i tell you all go if you wish no one stop you perhaps you kill snake who knows only you take no gun there please that not allowed when you tired of this town go see snake only member that not right way to house of child there another way which you never find look here said ragnall what is the use of all this foolery you know very well why we are in your devilish country it is because i believe you have stolen my wife to make her the priestess of your evil religion whatever it may be and i want her back all this great mistake replied harut blandly we no still beautiful lady you marry because we find she not right priestess also macumazahan here not to look for lady but to kill elephant jana and get pay in ivory like good business man you lord come with him as friend though we no ask you that all then you try find temple of our god and snake which watch door kill your servant why we not kill you eh "'Because you are afraid to,' answered Ragnall boldly. "'Kill me if you can, and take the consequences. I am ready.' Harut studied him not without admiration. "'You very brave man,' he said. "'And we no wish kill you, and perhaps after all everything come right in end. Only child know about that. Also you help us fight Black Kender by and by.' "'So, Lord, you quite safe unless you big fool and go call on Snake in cave. "'He very hungry Snake and soon want more dinner. "'You hear light in darkness, Lord of Fire,' he added, suddenly turning on Hans, "'who was squatted nearby, twiddling his hat with a face that for absolute impassiveness resembled a deal board. "'You hear he very hungry Snake, you make nice tea for him.' Hans rolled his little yellow eyes without even turning his head until they rested on the stately countenance of Harut, and answered in Bantu, "'I hear, liar of the white beard, 
But what have I to do with this matter? Jana is my enemy who would have killed Macumazahan, my master, not your dirty sneak. What is the good of this sneak of yours? If it were any good, why does it not kill Jana, whom you hate? If it is no good, why do you not take a stick and knock it on the head? If you are afraid, I will do so for you if you pay me. That for your snake. And very energetically he spat upon the floor. All right, said Harut, still speaking in English. You go kill snake. Go when you like, no one say no. Then we give you new name. Then we call you Lord of the Snake. As Hans, who was now engaged in lighting his corn-cob pipe, did not deign to answer these remarks, Harut turned to me and said, "'Lord Mokumazahan, your leg still bad, eh? Well, I bring you some ointment what make it quite well. It holy ointment come from the child. We want you get well quick.' Then suddenly he broke into Bantu. "'My lord, war draws near.' The Black Kendah are gathering all their strength to attack us, and we must have your aid. I go down to the river Tava to see to certain matters, as to the reaping of the outlying crops and other things. Within a week I will be back, then we must talk again, for by that time, if you will use the ointment that I have given you, you will be as well as ever you were in your life. Rub it on your leg, and mix a piece as large as a mealy grain in water and swallow it at night. It is not poison, see? And taking the cover off a little earthenware pot which he produced, he scooped from it with his finger some of the contents, which looked like lard, put it on his tongue, and swallowed it. Then he rose and departed with his usual bows. Here I may state that I used Harut's prescription with the most excellent results. That night I took a dose in water, very nasty it was, and rubbed my leg with the stuff, to find that next morning all pain had left me, and that, except for some local weakness, I was practically quite well. I kept the rest of the salve for years, and it proved a perfect specific in cases of sciatica and rheumatism. Now, alas, it is all used, and no recipe is available from which it can be made up again. The next few days passed uneventfully. As soon as I could walk, I began to go about the town, which was nothing but a scattered village, much resembling those to be seen on the eastern coasts of Africa. Nearly all the men seemed to be away, making preparations for the harvest, I suppose, and as the women shut themselves up in their houses after the Oriental fashion, though the few that I saw about were unveiled and rather good-looking, I did not gather any intelligence worth noting. To tell the truth, I cannot remember being in a more uninteresting place than this little town, with its extremely uncommunicative population, which, it seemed to me, lived under a shadow of fear that prevented all gaiety. Even the children, of whom there were not many, crept about in a depressed fashion and talked in a low voice. I never saw any of them playing games or heard them shouting and laughing, as young people do in most parts of the world. For the rest, we were very well looked after. Plenty of food was provided for us, and every thought taken for our comfort. Thus a strong and quiet pony was brought for me to ride because of my lameness. I had only to go out of the house and call, and it arrived from somewhere, already saddled and bridled, in charge of a lad who appeared to be dumb. At any rate, when I spoke to him, he would not answer. Mounted on this pony, I took one or two rides along the southern slopes of the mountain on the old pretext of shooting for the pot. 
Hans accompanied me on these occasions, but was, I noted, very silent and thoughtful, as though he were hunting something up and down his torturous intelligence. Once we got quite near to the mouth of the cave or tunnel where poor Savage had met his horrid end. As we stood studying it, a white-robed man, whose head was shaved, which made me think he must be a priest, came up and asked me mockingly why we did not go through the tunnel and see what lay beyond, adding, almost in the words of Harut himself, that none would attempt to interfere with us, as the road was open to any who could travel it. By way of answer, I only smiled, and put him a few questions about a very beautiful breed of goats with long, silky hair, some of which he seemed to be engaged in herding. He replied that these goats were sacred, being the food of one who dwelt in the mountain who only ate when the moon changed. When I inquired who this person was, he said, with his unpleasant smile, that I had better go through the tunnel and see for myself, an invitation which I did not accept. That evening Harut appeared unexpectedly, looking very grave and troubled. He was in a great hurry, and only stayed long enough to congratulate me upon the excellent effects of his ointment, since no man could find Jana on one leg. I asked him when the fight with Jana was to come off. He replied, "'Lord, I go up to the mountain to attend the feast of the first fruits, which is held at sunrise on the day of the new moon.' After the offering the oracle will speak, and we shall learn when there will be war with Jana, and perchance other things. May we not attend this feast, Harut, who are weary of doing nothing here? Certainly, he answered with his grave bow. That is, if you come unarmed, for to appear before the child with arms is death. You know the road. It runs through yonder cave and the forest beyond the cave. Take it when you will, Lord. "'Then if we can pass the cave, we shall be welcome at the feast. "'You will be very welcome. "'None shall hurt you there, going or returning. "'I swear it by the child.' "'Oh, Macumazahan,' he added, smiling a little, "'why do you talk folly, who know well that one lives in yonder cave "'whom none may look upon and love, as Bina learned not long ago? "'You are thinking that perhaps you might kill this dweller in the cave with your weapons.' put away that dream seeing that henceforth those who watch you have orders to see that none of you leave this house carrying so much as a knife indeed unless you promise me that this shall be so you will not be suffered to set foot outside its garden until i return again now do you promise i thought a while and drawing the two others aside out of hearing asked them their opinion ragnall was at first unwilling to give any such promise but hans said baas it is better to go free and unhurt without guns and knives than to become a prisoner once as you were among the black kendah often there is but a short step between prison and the grave both ragnall and i acknowledged the force of this argument and in the end we gave the promise speaking one by one it is enough said harut moreover know lord that among us white kendah he who breaks an oath is put across the river tava unarmed to make report thereof to jana father of lies now farewell if we do not meet at the feast of the first fruits on the day of the new moon whither once more i invite you we can talk together here after i have heard the voice of the oracle 
Then he mounted a camel which awaited him outside the gate, and departed with an escort of twelve men, also riding camels. "'There is some other road up that mountain, Quatermain,' said Ragnall. "'A camel could sooner pass through the eye of a needle than through that dreadful cave, even if it were empty.' "'Probably,' I answered. "'But as we don't know where it is, and I dare say it lies miles from here, we need not trouble our heads on the matter. The cave is our only road.' which means that there is no road. That evening at supper we discovered that Hans was missing, also that he had got possession of my keys and broken into a box containing liquor, for there it stood open in the cooking-hut with the keys in the lock. "'He has got on the drink,' I said to Ragnall, "'and upon my soul I don't wonder at it. For sixpence I would follow his example.' Then we went to bed. Next morning we breakfasted rather late, since when one has nothing to do there is no object in getting up early. As I was preparing to go to the cook-house to boil some eggs, to our astonishment Hans appeared with a kettle of coffee. "'Hans,' I said, "'you are a thief.' "'Yes, Baas,' answered Hans. "'You have been at the gin-box and taking that poison.' "'Yes, Baas, I have been digging poison. Also I took a walk, and all is right now.' The boss must not be angry, for it is very dull doing nothing here. Will the bosses eat porridge as well as eggs? As it was no use scolding him, I said that we would. Moreover, there was something about his manner which made me suspicious, for really he did not look like a person who has just been very drunk. After we had finished breakfast, he came and squatted down before me. Having lit his pipe, he asked suddenly, "'Would the bosses like to walk through that cave to-night?' If so, there will be no trouble. What do you mean? I asked, suspecting that he was still drunk. I mean, boss, that the dweller in the cave is fast asleep. How do you know that, Hans? Because I am the nurse who put him to sleep, boss. Though he kicked and cried a great deal, he is asleep. He will wake no more. Boss, I have killed the father of serpents. Hans, I said, now I am sure you are still drunk although you do not show it outside. "'Hans,' asked Ragnall, to whom I had translated as much of this as he did not understand, "'it is too early in the day to tell good stories. How could you possibly have killed that serpent without a gun, for you took none with you, or with it either, for that matter?' "'Will the buses come and take a walk through the cave?' asked Hans, with a snigger. "'Not till I am quite sure that you are sober,' I replied." Then, remembering certain other events in this worthy's career, added, "'Hans, if you do not tell us the story at once, I will beat you.' "'There isn't much story, boss,' replied Hans, between long sucks at his pipe, which had nearly gone out, "'because the thing was so easy. The boss is very clever, and so is the Lord boss. Why, then, can they never see the stones that lie under their noses?' It is because their eyes are always fixed upon the mountains between this world and the next. But the poor Hottentot, who looks at the ground to be sure that he does not stumble, ah, he sees the stones. Now, boss, did you not hear that man in a nightshirt with his head shaved say that those goats were food for one who dwelt in the mountain? I did. What of it, Hans? Who would be the one who dwelt in the mountain except the father of snakes in the cave, boss? Ah, now, for the first time you see the stone that lay at your feet all the while. And, boss, 
did not the bald man add that this one in the mountain was only fed at new and full moon and is not to-morrow the day of new moon and therefore would he not be very hungry on the day before new moon that is last night no doubt hans but how can you kill a snake by feeding it oh baas you may eat things that make you ill and so can snake now you will guess the rest so i had better go and wash the dishes whether i guess or do not guess i replied sagely the latter being the right hypothesis the dishes can wait hans since the lord there has not guessed so continue very well baas in one of those boxes are some pounds of stuff which when mixed with water is used for preserving skins and skulls you mean the arsenic crystals i said with a flash of inspiration i don't know what you call them baas at first i thought they were hard sugar and stole some once when the real sugar was left behind to put into the coffee without telling the baas because it was my fault that the sugar was left behind great heavens i ejaculated and why aren't we all dead because at the last moment baas i thought i would make sure so i put some of the hard sugar into hot milk and when it had melted i gave it to that yellow dog which once bit me in the leg the one that came from beza town baas that i told you had run away he was a very greedy dog baas and drank up the milk at once then he gave a howl twisted about foamed at the mouth and died and i buried him at once after that i threw some more of the large sugar mixed with mealies to the fowls that we brought with us for cooking two cocks and a hen swallowed them by mistake for the corn presently they fell on their backs kicked a little and died some of the mazitu who were great thieves stole those dead fowls baas after this baas i thought it best not to use that sugar in the coffee and later on bina told me that it was deadly poison well baas it came into my mind that if i could make that great snake swallow enough of this poison he too might die so i stole your keys as i often do baas when i want anything because you leave them lying about everywhere and to deceive you first opened one of the boxes that are full of square face and brandy and left it open for i wished you to think that i had just gone to get drunk like anybody else then i opened another box and got out two one-pound tins of the sugar which kills dogs and fowls half a pound of it i melted in the boiling water with some real sugar to make the stuff sweet and put it into a bottle the rest i tied with string in twelve little packets in the soft paper which is in one of the boxes and put them in my pocket then i went up the hill baas to the place where i saw those goats are kraaled at night behind a reed fence as i had hoped no one was watching them because there are no tigers so near this town and man does not steal the goats that are sacred i went into the kraal and found a fat young ewe which had a kid i dragged it out and taking it behind some stones i made its leg fast with a bit of cord and poured the stuff out of the bottle all over its skin rubbing it in well then i tied the twelve packets of hard poison sugar everywhere about its body making them very fast deep in the long hair so that they could not tumble or rub off after this i untied the goat led it near the mouth of the cave and held it there for a time while it kept bleating for its kid next i took it almost up to the cave wondering how i should drive it in for i did not wish to enter there myself baas as it happened i need not have troubled about that 
when the goat was within five yards of the cave it stopped bleating stood still and shivered then it began to go forward with little jumps as though it did not want to go yet must do so also baas i felt as though i wished to go in with it so i lay down and put my heels against a rock leaving go of the goat for now baas i did not care where that goat went so long as i could keep out of the hole where dwelt the father of the serpents who had eaten bina but it was all right baas the goat knew what it had to do and did it jumping straight into the cave as it entered it turned its head and looked at me i could see its eyes in the starlight and baas they were dreadful i think it knew what was coming and did not like it at all and yet it had to walk on because it could not help it just like a man going to the devil baas holding on to the stone i peered after it for i had heard something stirring in the cave making a soft noise like a white lady's dress upon the floor there in the blackness i saw two little sparks of fire which were the eyes of the serpent baas then i heard a sound of hissing like four big kettles boiling all at once and a little bleat from the goat after this there was a noise as of men wrestling followed by another noise as of bones breaking and lastly yet another sucking sound as of a pump that won't draw up the water then everything grew nice and quiet and i went some way off sat down a little to one side of the cave and waited to see if anything happened it must have been nearly an hour later that something did begin to happen baas it was as though sacks filled with chaff were being beaten against stone walls there in the cave ah thought i to myself your stomach is beginning to ache eater up of bina and as that goat had little horns on its head to which i tied two bags of the poison baas and like all snakes no doubt you have spikes in your throat pointing downwards you won't be able to get it up again then i expect this was after the poison sugar had begun to melt nicely in the serpent's stomach baas there was a noise as though a whole company of girls were dancing a war-dance in the cave to a music of hisses and then oh then baas of a sudden that father of serpents came out i tell you baas that when i saw him in the bright starlight my hair stood up upon my head for never has there been such a sneak in the whole world those that live in trees and eat bucks in zululand of whose skins men make waistcoats and slippers are but babies compared to this one he came out yard after yard of him he wriggled about he stood upon his tail with his head where the top of a tree might be he made himself into a ring he bit at stones and at his own stomach while i hid behind my rock praying to your reverend father that he might not see me then at last he rushed away down the hill faster than any horse could gallop now i hoped that he had gone for good and thought of going myself still i feared to do so lest i should meet him somewhere so i made up my mind to wait till daylight it was as well baas for about half an hour later he came back again only now he could not jump he could only crawl never in my life did i see a snake look so sick baas into the cave he went and lay there hissing by degrees the hissing grew very faint till at length they died away altogether i waited another half-hour baas and then i grew so curious that i thought i would go to look in the cave i lit the little lantern i had with me and holding it in one hand and my stick in the other i crept into the hall 
Before I had crawled ten paces, I saw something white stretched along the ground. It was the belly of the great snake bass, which lay upon its back quite dead. I know that it was dead, for I lit three wax matches, setting them to burn upon its tail, and it never stirred, as any live snake will do when it feels fire. Then I came home, Baas, feeling very proud, because I had outwitted that great-grandfather of all snakes who killed Bina, my friend, and had made the way clear for us to walk through the cave. That is all the story, Baas. Now I must go wash these dishes. And without waiting for any comment, off he went, leaving us marvelling at his wit, resource, and courage. "'What next?' I asked presently. "'Nothing till to-night,' answered Ragnall with determination. "'Then I am going to look at the snake which the noble Hans has killed, and whatever lies beyond the cave, as you will remember, Harut invited us to do unmolested, if we could. "'Do you think Harut will keep his word, Ragnall?' "'On the whole, yes. If he doesn't, I don't care.' Anything is better than sitting here in this suspense. I agree as to Harut, because we are too valuable to be killed just now, if for no other reason, also as to the suspense, which is unendurable. Therefore I will walk with you to look at that snake, Ragnall, and so no doubt will Hans. The exercise will do my leg good. Do you think it wise? he asked doubtfully. In your case, I mean. I think it most unwise that we should separate any more. We had better stand or fall altogether. Further, we do not seem to have any luck apart. End of chapter 16